Hi guys, and welcome to episode 30 of the Nintendo Village Podcast, your weekly half-hour Nintendo show. I'm your host, Phil Myth, and of course, I'm joined by Mr. Gary Gray. How you doing, mate? 30 episodes, wow, wow, we wow. 30 indeed, the big 3-0. Uh, are you are you alright this week? How are you coping with quarantine and all that jazz? I'm back to work. <laughs> back to work. <laughs> That's it, it feels like life's over, and I'm back to the grind now. <laughs> you? Yeah, I'm I'm quite enjoying it still, to be honest. I'm missing Animal Crossing. It's only been a day where I'm missing Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, this this has very much been the Animal Crossing podcast for the past couple of weeks. We apologise for that. Uh, and it's going to be the same this week. So stay tuned for our thoughts on the latest updates on Animal Crossing with the arrival of Leaf and Red and the museum and all that kind of stuff. We've got a few little bits of news to talk about. Splatfest is back for a one-off, apparently. And Nintendo are discontinuing some Joy-Con. And then later on in the show, we're going to have a chat about 3D platformers and what makes them good. So stick around for all that cool stuff. So we'll kick off with some news this week. A bit of a PSA, really, to start with. There were some hacked Switch accounts, apparently, and Nintendo released a statement confirming that um, some unauthorised access had been had into some people's uh, my Nintendo accounts via their NNID logins. So Nintendo have now disabled that method of logging into your My Nintendo account so you can't use your NNID to get in there uh, and they are encouraging people to activate the two-step authentication thing which uses a free Google app on your phone it gives you an extra code basically just as an added layer of um, security if you like so we're not going to like chat about it too much because there's not really a lot to chat about but we just thought you'd we'd remind you all to maybe change your passwords make sure you set up the two-step authentication it's only a small number of accounts who have been breached and it seems to largely be confined to japan there might have been a few others outside of that but it's better safe than sorry so make sure you do that moving on from that then uh something a little bit more exciting splatfest is back apparently we had the final fest last year but it wasn't the final fest so nintendo have announced that they're rerunning the mayo versus ketchup splatfest uh this was a nice surprise right uh, yeah, it was a surprise. Like, I, I mean, it's it's strange that it's come out of the woodwork, but then again, I think they're just filling the gaps for what would normally be releases and stuff. We've just something to keep us occupied, right? True, it's a good point actually, because we don't know what games, if any, have been postponed or have had to be knocked back a little bit because of the current shenanigans that's going on in the world. So this is a, a decent way to fill in the time. Uh, the Splatfest take a place on the weekend beginning the 22nd of May. It will run until the 24th as per usual. Are you Team Mayo or are you Team Ketchup? Um, I like both mixed, so it's really, a, it really is a tough one. <laughs> ah, you're Team Prawn Cocktail, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think I'm going to go with Mayo. Yeah, Mayo's where it's at. Yeah. We won last time anyway. Yeah, we did. And it's so freaky, the, the colour of the ink in this match. Like if they do, they need to put that back in. If they don't put the colour of the ink back in, there's something wrong with this Splatfest. I mean, I'm because assuming they will, right? That weird white mayonnaise ink. I mean, it 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 was definitely late night. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. It was a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a little bit Splatoon after dark, and all the mm. uh, the Splatfest stages are usually at night as well when they when they run the Splatfest. So that's a bit. <laughs> yeah, it is Splatfest after dark. I mean, Splatfest in itself. <laughs> let, let, let's let's not go down that. Time. Yeah, let, you don't let, want to search that on. term on certain websites, do you? Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the return of Splatfest. It's a good excuse to get back into Splatoon because it's one of those games that I always mean to think, oh, you know, what? I quite fancy a game of Splatoon, and then I just never kind of get round to it. 
So I'm kind of glad that they're in this. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that they'll they'll give us a few more Splatfest reruns. I'd be quite happy if they just looped back around for the beginning and just ran them all again. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why they don't do that anyway. Because, I mean, rather than just ending it and saying, look, it's ended, there's no more. Yeah. Why not just get a server that randomly puts one of them on once a month? I mean, I, I wouldn't say no. I'm assuming there must be some work that goes into it, but it can't be too much, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, surely you can make it automated. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So yeah, Spotfest is back for one. Hopefully it'll be for a few more. Uh, outside of that, uh, some bad news again. We're sort of alternating this week. Apparently Nintendo are ending production of certain Joy-Con. So there was a notice on the Nintendo Japanese website where they have this thing now where you can basically build your own Switch bundle and you can choose like which colours and things like that. And all of the Joy-Con are still available in that. But on the... Um, accessories page if you like on nintendo japan apparently the gray neon yellow and the super mario odyssey red joy con are no longer being manufactured according to a notice on that uh, page they're still being sold individually and they are still available in that bundle builder like i said but this is a bit the one that strikes me as odd on here is the gray one like i can understand them discontinuing like the neon yellow which were released for arms which i know is making a little bit of a comeback at the minute with smash and stuff but not like Massively so. And the Super Mario Odyssey Red ones, again, like that game's a few years old now. I can see why they would sort of stop churning those out. But the grey one seems weird. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's a popular choice. Like, I've got a grey one. I prefer... I, 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 I'm I, not the biggest fan of the coloured Joy-Con, and it's because they don't match. That's why I got the grey one as well. Yeah, so for me, like, taking something out in public with, like, one glaringly blue... Control on the one side, one glaringly red on the other side. is not something I enjoy. I like everything to be quite discreet. So, um, it, but it is an unpopular choice, right? Most people went for the blue and the red that I know. I don't know hardly anybody who went for the grey. Yeah. Um, and I definitely don't think many people pick up a grey pair afterwards. They'd pick up one of the other limited edition colours. But oh, the only thing I'm going to say to this is just release the black ones, Nintendo. <laughs> we know you've made them. And they look beautiful. They actually match the Switch. <laughs> we want them. I, I've got white ones. I bought some custom ones. that I've got a D-pad on and everything. So I'm quite happy with my white ones at the minute. Well, I say I'm quite happy with my white ones. The left one's got drift, so I'm not using them. But I need to, yeah, I need to get that sorted. Obviously, I can't send them into Nintendo to repair because they've been customised. So I basically need... I bought some sticks on Amazon to, like, repair the drift. And both of the sticks that I bought had drift, like, straight away. Ow. So that's what I get for buying cheap Chinese shite. Nope. Pardon for the S-bomb. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit weird at the grey ones, but maybe you're right. Maybe people just aren't buying the OG grey Switch. Like, the reason I bought it was because it was the first one that was shown in the trailer. And so, like, okay, that's the, like, normal colour, if you like, and then blue and red is the alternate colour. It's the same reason I bought a purple GameCube instead of a black one. So, yeah, it's weird. Maybe there's been a mistranslation, or maybe it is that they're not selling the grey ones individually, but they're still making them for the the console itself who knows uh moving on one last little bit of news kind of thing boomers who knows uh in an interview with uh who was it i think it was cnet actually um animal crossing director yes director not the producer um now here we go am i going to butcher her name aya kyogoku Close enough, right? Got super Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it said that Nintendo planned to continue supporting Animal Crossing for a few years, which is positive news. 
Uh, the quote itself says, we want to make sure that in two years or three years down the road, players will still continue to find new surprises in the game. So we hope to create an update that you can do that with. And now I thought the wording of this was quite interesting. That last sentence says, we hope to create an update that you could do that with, which suggests to me that they're going to roll out these events and stuff for the first year or so, like as and when, and then there'll be like one major update which will basically reset it to the way it was in previous games, right, where these events are tied to a specific date and then your time travellers will be able to get there, even though they can't do that now. But I feel like after the game's been going for a year or so, I think that's fair enough, right? Yeah, and I mean, it, we, we, it's a, we, you know, we've talked about it before. We've talked about the time travelling and stuff. If people want to break the game doing it that way, that's fine. It's their choice. It's their discretion. If, they, if that's the way they want to play it, it shortens the life of the game, ultimately. Uh, but... If that's the way you enjoy it, it's the way you enjoy it. And it's the same with any game. If you want to cheat your way through, and as long as it doesn't affect other players online, it's fine. And so if if they do do that, and they do like just shove everything in with a patch and it's just there for good, then it's fine by then anyway, because all the events have already been on once. We've already seen it all. It's, again, it's looping back around to the Splatfest idea that we had earlier about automating that. Look, I think once a game's lost its legs in, in that sort of update realm, then why not shove all the exclusive like unless it was a partnership like the Mario Mercedes thing but if that was a time thing say then I could understand that not being there because it was with another company but if it's just something internal like that then just just put them on a loop and I'd be happy with Animal Crossing being like that after the game's sort of done and dusted because I mean I only really stick with Animal Crossing for like a year or two and then I feel like I've seen everything. So if that's the case with this one again, then having it loop around for players who pick it up in the future will be good for them. Although, you know, it's a shame that people who pick up Splatoon 2 now aren't really, apart from this one Splatfest, aren't really getting the experience of it. So so it's a, it's a good thing if I do do that. But again, it's speculation, right? It does. It makes sense. Um, speaking of Animal Crossing updates, obviously we had a big one last week, which we're going to chat about shortly. But there are more, of course, coming. There's loads of events going on this month and next month. Uh, but now this next bit could be potential spoilers. So if you really don't want to know like what could potentially be coming down the line, maybe skip ahead by a minute or so. Put your fingers in your ears and sing Aha's Take On Me, and then we'll be that done. That is another option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but data miner Ninji, who also discovered the reappearance of Red and Leaf and stuff before Nintendo announced that particular upgrade... Uh, reckons that there's code in there that hints at the return of the Dream Suite. Now, if you're not familiar with this, it was a feature in New Leaf, which allowed you to basically go into like, it's like a massage parlor, now that I think about it, which is a little bit racy. Um, <laughs> ooh, uh, and, uh, you could input a code and basically visit people's towns, but not in the same way that you visit them now. So it was basically like their, their towns or their village or whatever would be stored on a server somewhere. And you could go and run around and visit it and check out what they've done with the place, basically, without them having to go through the rigmarole of opening gates. Obviously, you can't interact with them anywhere. You can't, like, take things back with you. Hence, the dream suite. It was almost like you were dreaming of the place. Um, but it was a cool way to check out people's town signs. You could share your code online thing so people could get inspiration from the designs. Obviously, people put stuff on YouTube and things now, so you could check it out that way. But... I'd be quite down for the return of this, actually, because I quite enjoyed the Dream Suite. I found some cool villages and stuff online from New Leaf in some of the different communities and things, and it helped me shape my own town with some of the ideas that I saw. Um, did you use the Dream Suite much on New Leaf? 
It's it's so weird because um, New Horizons is such a better game in every, in a lot of sort of ways, but then there's these big features missing. It's like that and the bit where you could visit other people's towns at the top of New Leaf as well, uh, which is a street pass thing. Were awesome. I used to use it a lot. Like I think I think I used to do that more than actually play the game because um, like my thing is I, I always like the customization of Animal Crossing which you were really restricted in in the old ones, right? So the only way that you could actually put paths down was to make the patterns. And so I used to go to other people's towns and see what they're doing with the patterns and see how they're doing things and then basically rip it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You're right, because like I say, New Horizons is is the best entry. And yet I keep every one of these updates of things and these uh, leaks come out and stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing that's not in it. So, like, there's the Dream Suite, and then, obviously, I kind of knew the red wasn't in it, but I totally forgot about bushes. And so, when Leaf came back, it's like, oh, yeah, you've got bushes. Like, oh, yeah, bushes. And Which is crazy, because they were such a huge thing in Unif, like, help me crafting, like, the walkways and stuff uh, through my town. It's like, oh, yeah, why, were, why weren't they in day one? But it's cool that this stuff is coming, and, like, it's a sim- similar way to Splatoon, right, in that on day one, there's not really a lot to do. You've only got a handful of courses and a bunch of weapons, and that's about it. But as it progresses and more and more stuff gets added, it keeps you playing for longer. And so the difference with New Horizons is there was actually a ton of content in there to begin with, and now there's all this other stuff as well, which, although it was in on day one on previous entries, is still coming. So I, I'm not mad about it, really. No, it's um, I, I like the slow roll content thing I, I do think that like splatoon 2 was dangerously low to being too much like the first one when it launched and i think that's something that you always need to look out for and but i think that new horizons is is different enough that some of the stuff won't matter if it doesn't come back i mean it's like the double dash right with, with mario kart like everybody wants that thing and remembers it fondly but i think that if it's in every iteration then you probably wouldn't like it as much anymore so I think there's some stuff is best to be in the older games and, and not come back. And I think that what we got with New Horizons with the terraforming and the island setup is actually enough to warrant not having that stuff back. Although I do hope they keep updating it for for a couple of years. Not, not just one year, I want them to do it for a couple of years at least. And so to what we've been playing this week, and it's basically a continuation, we've been playing Animal Crossing, right? We've been playing these updates, the one that dropped with uh, the museum upgrade and Leaf has come in. Uh, I've gone absolutely nuts with hedges. I don't know about you. Nuts with hedges, that's that's exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> that's the exact same statement that I'd have made. Yeah, it's it's been great. Like I've, I've totally had to rethink certain layouts of my town and different areas and stuff because of these these new bits in like oh i can put bushes in here and i can craft hedges for this bit and i've got roses now finally so i can finally sort out my rose garden and things and again it's just that that extra it's such a daft little thing it's like oh yeah you've got some new plant life you can put in your island and now all of a sudden it's like great i'm gonna spend the next six hours messing stuff around in this one tiny little corner of my island to get it exactly how i want it to look I is we need like an Animal Crossing support group because I feel like this is the most addicted I've been to a video game in a long time. It's kind of weird as well, isn't it? Because going in, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy these entries, and then I get fed up of them. And I've not been as much like that at all with with um, this one at the minute. It, uh, there was a, a a couple of days before I got terraforming open when I'd load it up and be like, 
there's nothing to do. And then you get the terraforming open, and my good God, does the game change then. And then I got the bushes open, and everything that I'd done before that, I've deleted, and just to really put bushes in. And if you do want to see how mad we've gone with the bushes, head over to our YouTube, where you can see lovely videos of bush madness. <laughs> that bush madness is another uh, term you don't want to search on the internet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy. I'm I'm totally the same. I spent ages terraforming this one section of my island, and I've basically built like this hidden little clearing, if you like, where a couple of my villagers live. Uh, and today, I kind of half decided that I was just basically totally going to level that and totally change the way my shops and stuff are laid out. And that's going to be a big, big task. And it's going to cost me lots of bells because I'll have to move the shops and then move them back again. Um. It is. It's crazy. We could talk about Animal Crossing all day and all night, probably. Uh, the game is awesome. But yes, as Gary says, we have tons of design ideas and stuff and tips and tricks and things over on our YouTube channel. So go and check those out if you're stuck for some inspiration. Uh, outside of Animal Crossing, I've also been playing a bunch of Smash Brothers recently. Um, this is ahead of something that's in the works for Nintendo Village. We'll tell you more about that next week. Um, but... Uh, the hashtag fix ultimate online was trending over the weekend and anyone who's played smash online will know why it was um it was a, it was a pro player who started it i think but i can't remember which one it was i apologize but there were treats from zero and hungry box about it as well and specifically a lot of the um ire if you like was directed at the input lag for playing smash online because there's there's a, I think there's like a six frame buffer anyway. And then at best, like when it's running, it's like absolute like peak. There's another five frames of input like on top of that. And they're like, the certain characters have moves that come out faster than that. Um, which is crazy. And you'd think like given the success of Smash Ultimate, it's like the best selling fighting game of all time. You'd hope that Nintendo would listen to this kind of backlash from the community and do something about it? So many things that I could (laughs) say and I'm going to behave myself today and say that we all know that the (laughs) Nintendo online system's broken. I mean, just try and visit someone's island on Animal Crossing. Just try to play four-player in Mario or voice chat. (laughs) Oh, did I go there? Yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, I don't want it to be a tangent, right? We've we've flogged this dead horse to death as it is already. Just to to phrase it, no horses were harmed in the making of this podcast. But... (laughs) It's it's broken and it's going to remain broken. I don't think they're going to fix it. I think I think the Switch is destined to be the worst online uh, system that Nintendo have released, and I think that we should just look to it being improved on the next console. Uh, I'm, it saddens me to say it, but I think you, you could be right, which is a shame because Smash Ultimate is so good, especially like if, if you play multiplayer offline. Smash Ultimate, it's awesome, but there is it's really really frustrating when you play online when there's it's obviously a game with such fine margins, right? Especially when you're playing above like noob level. It's it it can really like sour the experience. Like when it when you get somebody with a good connection, it's okay. Like it's playable and you can deal with it. But I mean, like I was playing a match yesterday, and I kid you not, I think it was like the kill, like the kill move, like the last uh, hit of the match, and I was sat scrolling through my phone, like waiting for. Like, because it froze basically on the impact, and then I was scrolling through my phone by the time that my opponent actually like flew off screen and died. 
Like, it was that bad. So, yes, I, I do, like, I'm really enjoying Smash, and I've been watching a lot of Zero's channel. I'd really recommend going and check that out if you've got any interest in um, competitive Smash at all. Not that I'm any good at competitive Smash, but if you want to get your head around the basics and stuff, it's really good, and he puts out really good content. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying like playing more smash i feel like i play more smash now than i did when it first launched actually um but there's definitely some issues around the online you know maybe there'll be a miracle and nintendo will sort it out maybe not uh the other game i've been playing is ukulele which i jumped back into because i picked up impossible Air. i think i might mention this on a previous episode of the show i picked up impossible Air uh, in a sale recently and it occurred to me that I didn't actually play through the first game all that much. I only did like the first two worlds. So I've jumped back into that. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It does have some of the issues that you always have with 3D platformers. I didn't realize just how much they did lean into the Banjo-Kazooie thing at the time. Like I think because I was like swept up in nostalgia and stuff. It's like, oh, this is really cool. And then having had like some time away from it and thinking, right, okay, now I'm going to go back and play through it properly. It's like, oh yeah, this is, it's Banjo on stilts. Um, did you play ukulele? I did, and I didn't like it very much. It, 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 it's because... You weren't the only one, to be fair. It's because it's just it, it it leans too far back to the N64 days and the early platformers. Like, And I found that the things that used to irritate me then as a kid uh, were in the game. Like, broken cameras, especially the broken camera. Now, just, just to clarify, it was the Xbox version I played. And they did fix the camera a bit more for the Switch version. Yeah, and apparently the Xbox version was notoriously the worst one. Yeah, yeah, I can I can believe that because it just it just doesn't look. I don't know. There's just something about it. It just doesn't look or feel good. And uh, I I dropped off it probably after about an hour of play. Uh, but I did get Impossible there for free with Epic Games Store on so on PC, and that, brilliant. All right. What a really good game that is! Like yeah. I, I would have, after, if I played the first one, didn't know anything about the second one, didn't get it for free, and someone said, "Will you buy the second one?" I would have said no. But Impossible Lair is really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to diving into it. I know it can be played sort of standalone, but I really want to play through the first game before I jump into the second. Just I want to see the evolution of Playtonic as a developer, like through that. Mm. Um, and who knows, maybe um, if Impossible Lair is has done well for or if it's performed as well sales wise as it did critically then maybe um platonic can have another crack at the 3d platformer with a bit of a bigger budget and a bit more time and refinement and the rest of it and maybe bring that um genre of game back into its heyday so on that topic then of the 3d platformer uh obviously i've been playing ukulele we've just had a chat about that uh, Tyler Tasmanian Tiger recently had a HD remake released on Switch, which I talked about on a previous episode, which I played a bit of. Uh, we've got a review on site too. And the uh, studio behind um, Ty, uh, Chrome Studios, said this week that they'd be open to doing a fifth game. Um, the fourth one was a actually a side-scrolling 2D platformer, but they have said that if they had the budget and the resources and stuff to do a new tie game, that it would be a 3D platformer. And it's a genre that seems to be coming back into vogue a little bit recently with the likes of Ukulele and Super Mario Odyssey. And we've had these like HD remasters like tie, and then there's indie stuff like Had in Time. And so we thought we would have a bit of a chat this week about what is it that makes a good 3D platformer. Um, obviously, we've talked about the camera. Like that's the that's the big one, right? Yeah. And it's it's weird how it's so 
like the quality of camera controls across 3D platformers is so wide, right? Because I don't remember struggling with the camera in Odyssey at all. And yet you're right, like in ukulele, there are some sections where it's a real pig. Yeah, I think that um, with Odyssey, they sort of programmed it so that whenever there was tight areas, it would like stick to a good place. But also there's a, an element of transparency. So when stuff is in, in front of Mario, like as in towards the screen, so between you and him, it would disappear. I actually have this problem with Animal Crossing quite a few times as well, where stuff doesn't disappear on that. And it's unlike Nintendo, because they've been putting that mechanic into a lot of games lately. And I think that one trick alone... like can make or break uh, a platformer, like being able to see well at all times. And this is coming from a guy who really likes Sonic Adventure. <laughs> the most hideously broken cameras known to man. And I, th- But it's just one of those things that like seems like it should be a simple thing to get right. It must be really hard to develop a good camera. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's the one thing I think that makes a, a good platformer. Uh, I'm going to... I mean, as if I haven't sounded grumpy enough or, like, (laughs) um, negative enough on this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mario Odyssey, right? Definitely a solid 8 out of 10, um, which will upset a few people. But really good game, really amazing game. I had problems with it, and the one problem is that the platforming wasn't a problem. And the reason why I say that is if you fall from a height, you don't get hurt. And I thought that was a big issue. Like, I think that platformers, platforming should be the key. And I don't think Mario Odyssey had platforming. I mean, the platforming sections were amazing. I can't deny that. But I'd miss the element of danger in the platforming. That would have actually changed it from an 8 to a 9 for me, at least. Um, I think that the one thing they got perfectly right was getting rid of lives. Because lives are such an old thing now. And, like, you lose all your lives and you start back from the level anyway. You just start a little bit further back. So why not just just abolish them, get rid of them, make something else the problem when you whenever you die, and then carry on. So I think that for a modern platformer, those are the three things I think they need to nail: is camera, um, platforming as a danger, and uh, getting rid of lives because we're just done with those, right? Yeah, I I can't remember the last time. I played a game where I had lives and ran out of them. Yeah. Like, obviously, if something like Celeste had lives, you would run out of them immediately. And it, w- it wouldn't be a fun game if if you had that. Um, but you're right, in stuff like... I think Are there lives in Rayman Legends? I can't remember now. No, Ray- Rayman, if you touch something, it's one hit death in Rayman. If you touch it, you pop. And the checkpoints are so frequent that Rayman has the perfect life system, in my opinion. Um, but obviously, that's that's a 2D platformer. But if that sort of uh, uh, implementation was put into a 3D game, that is how lives should be, should be, really. I think Mario Odyssey did the perfect job of it because um, it just stopped you getting cosmetic items as fast. Yeah. So if you're a better player, you could be dressed as a, as as Mario in a skeleton costume. Yeah. But if you're a bad player, then you're stuck with a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, and one other thing that I think Odyssey also got really right was um, progression. Mm, yeah, agreed. And the moons, basically. Like, it was really easy for you to just sort of blast through it and, like, go through, get the most obvious moons in each stage, go on to the next one. And get and roll credits. You could probably do it in a few hours if you if you really knew what you were doing. Um, but I liked that it wasn't a challenge to finish the game, and it wasn't a challenge to progress. 
but it was a challenge to find everything. Uh, I, re- I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed hunting moons. And yeah, there were some like really obvious ones. There's ones like, oh, it's just on a tree over there, just go and shimmy up it. Robert's your mother's brother. And then there were other ones that you really had to work for. And I think they struck a really good balance of that and the collectibles and stuff. It was another issue that I've started to encounter with ukulele in that it suffers a little bit from that um, that Donkey Kong 64 bloat of too many collectibles. It's not quite as bad as DK64 because obviously there's only one character and not whatever it was, four, five, six different ones all with their own collectibles. Um. But there are certain things like the quills in ukulele. They're kind of hidden away just for the sake of being hidden away. Whereas I feel like the notes in Banjo were well laid out in that they led you to each like different area, the places where you needed to go in order to get the jiggies and things. And I don't feel like... There's obviously an element of that with the quills in ukulele, but I don't feel like it's done, done as quite as well. And uh, I mean, I don't want us to sound like we, we totally... like doing the poo-poos all over ukulele right because uh, oh, no, I'm, st- I'm still really enjoying the game a, a, a lot of a lot of people love it yeah. so i don't want us to sound too negative and i do want to state that like a lot of people love the game like which is which is fair enough and and play it was platonic's first game so you've got to give them that yeah. leeway as well but I, I do agree with that and I, I think that um again as, as a reference to mario odyssey and you said there something that's quite important i could play mario odyssey but my daughter can play mario odyssey and she's five mm-hmm. And that's a big deal, right? Having that accessibility of oh, you got an easy mode, and it will show you where to go if you're if you're a novice or you, you're younger, whatever it might be, um, is a really good thing. I also think that they need to start including hard modes though in a lot of these games because now we're getting to the point where there's a lot of accessibility. Ukulele and the Impossible Lair just had an update to add accessibility to that. And I think it's a really good thing. I think the the more people that can play a game, the better. But I also think that you need stuff for the pros, or the or at least people who like the harder experience. So basically, if you take Mario Odyssey again, and some of the stuff that I've said, like fall damage, just turning fall damage on instantly makes it a harder mode, right? And I think that I think the modern platformer should definitely try their best to um, to include everyone include include the people who have no idea what they're doing even if it means that they're invincible and they can just run around with a pair of flight that's fine uh and then also include the pros like you get touched by an enemy you are dead like no lives you'll respawn from the last checkpoint now and i think that like in terms of good 3d platformers i don't think there's there's not many mario odyssey's been the nearest to the absolute perfect 3d platformer in a very long time and i think that that goes to show that a they're not pop- that popular anymore, even though they are making a bit of a resurgence, and uh, b because uh, the ones that are released just aren't anywhere near hitting that perfect thing. Like we've seen a lot more better two D platformers than three D platformers at the minute, and I think that that's a because they're easy to make, and a lot of pixel styles and indie developers, you know, and all that sort of stuff. There's a few things with like um, the engines that they use. You can buy packs. Which, which is a popular thing to do with 2D games so that you can get physics right without really putting too much effort in. And uh, I think that it's time for them all to move on to 3D and try and tackle that now because we do need some really good 3D platformers. I do miss the days where we were overrun with stupid characters from like a land shark to uh, a bag of money that talks and stuff like that. So yeah, it is time for it to come back, but they do need to nail some mechanics first. Yeah, but you're right. That's the that's the the final 
uh, ingredient, I think, in what makes a good 3D platformer is is charm and characters. Like, obviously, Odyssey has that um, in stacks, which is presumably partly why your daughter loves playing it. It's like bright and colourful and engaging and stuff like that. Uh, it's one thing that I do think ukulele absolutely nails. I think the writing's great in it. Like, there's been so many moments when I've, like, really laughed out loud. Laylee, in particular, I'm like, it's just so sarcastic. She's great. And I like the way it breaks the fourth wall. Um, it does that really well, too. Uh, and similarly with Ty, actually, it obviously won a lot of awards when it originally released back in 2000, was it 2001, something like that? for the GameCube, for the voice acting and the character design and stuff. And I think Ty himself, even though it's not like the biggest franchise in the world, but I think he's a really cool mascot. Um, I just thought, actually, what was um, Super Lucky's Tale like on that front? Oh, Super Lucky's Tale was really good. Um, I think the level, it was simplistic. Like, it it was very, you knew where to go and you knew what to do. So the accessibility was, was good there. It was a little bit, harder in places um for for younger people for my daughter especially to get into but um it was really charming the, there wasn't too much writing but what writing was there was good um actually yeah you know it, it's good that you mentioned that because that actually was would probably be my second choice for best platformer of the uh, 3d platformer of, of the last couple of years would probably be super lucky's tale so there are there are some good ones out there Hopefully, if you're a developer and you're listening to us, you need to ignore us completely because we don't know what the hell we're talking about, really. And we have no idea what goes into making a game. Oh, but include fall damage. But include fall damage <laughs> and make sure your characters are all whimsical and enjoyable. Uh, that about wraps up the show for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, let us know on Twitter and stuff. I know there's a couple of you out there who tweeted at us. Thank you very much for your feedback. It's very much appreciated. You can always leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen as well. We're also available on Spotify and Stitcher and on Google Podcasts. Uh, let us know if there's any other channels you think we should be on uh be sure to head to the nintendovillage.com where we cover all these news and we write about these games and we have different shows and things to check out as well you can chat to myself on twitter at phil myth you can chat to gary on twitter at gary and you can chat to both of us and the rest of the nintendo village crew at village nintendo thank you very much for listening everyone we shall catch you all next week wash your damn hands